0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 7th is Mark chapter 2, a slightly different perspective of the same story we read yesterday about the paralytic man who was brought on his mat, some translations say a stretcher, to Jesus. He was lowered down through the roof because the house was so packed full and people even outside the house trying to get in trying to hear that there was no way they could get this man in so they climbed up on the roof and they lowered him down through jesus was there it says in verse two teaching the people speaking the word to them what is a word it's the expression of a thought he was there doing what he was sent to do teaching the people what god's perspective was on life and on the kingdom what a privilege it would be to sit in that room and listen to jesus speak firsthand what a privilege it would be to be one of his 12 disciples to walk with him for three and a half years listening to every word of course it would be very hard for them too wouldn't it they watched him be crucified they watched judas betray him many of them gave their own lives for the truth later in some ways they had it better because they had Jesus in the flesh but Jesus said it's more blessed for those who believe who hadn't actually seen him this man when Jesus sees him doesn't heal him right away but says son your sins are forgiven now why would Jesus go straight to forgiving the man's sins instead of healing him they didn't bring him to be forgiven they brought him to be healed and the more i ponder this the more i'm convinced that god is so more interested in the eternal state of our souls than he is the physical well-being of our bodies yes god wants our bodies to be well he wants us to feel good he wants us to be healthy and wealthy and wise but he's more concerned with wise than healthy and wealthy He's more concerned with developing our character and sanctifying us and molding us into his image than he is with our prosperity. He wants to raise us up as stewards who can co-reign with him, who know how to manage finances, people, and organizations, and all of those things. But he's so much more concerned with whether or not we know him And whether or not we are like him, then he is concerned about our comfort, about our health, about our physical well-being. Yes, God wants us to be happy, but never, ever does God elevate our happiness and physical well-being above our holiness and our spiritual well-being So Jesus cuts straight to the most important part, son, your sins are forgiven. The man must have looked on Jesus with faith and with humility. Jesus could probably sense the feelings of unworthiness coming off of the man. I don't deserve to receive this. How loved must that man have felt to have been carried there by four of his friends and then Jesus doesn't turn to him and say, well, if you hadn't been acting so foolishly, you wouldn't have fallen off of that bridge and broken your back and become a paralytic. Maybe he was born that way and no one had ever looked on him with respect. Or maybe those men weren't even his friends. Maybe they were trying to trap Jesus. Maybe they were trying to make Jesus look bad a lot of people would say about modern-day miracles in 2023 that it didn't really happen. Let's prove it. Let's put one of our own people, somebody we know who is truly disabled in the crowd, and let's see if they get healed. We'll show charlatan. Maybe none of them were expecting this man to be healed, and maybe the man himself was embarrassed to be there. Maybe he wanted no part of it, and maybe he was shocked. When Jesus saw right through it and said, son, your sins are forgiven. And when the people around started saying he's blaspheming, how can any man forgive sins? Who does he think he is? Jesus perceived their thoughts right away and he said to them, so that you may know that I have the authority to forgive sins. Pick up your mat go home the man is instantly healed picks up his mat and walks home and everybody is astounded then Jesus calls Levi who we know as Matthew the tax collector and this man decides to throw Jesus a party because his fame has grown people around see that Jesus is hanging out with a bunch of tax collectors who are so despised Imagine, in the United States today, as many people look down on the Internal Revenue Service, imagine if the IRS was able to come and knock on our doors and take our taxes in person and then add to it whatever they wanted to pad their own wallets To make it worse, they didn't even work for our government. They worked for a foreign occupying government, and the money they were taking didn't even support our own infrastructure. It supported that of a foreign nation. Today, people don't really hate IRS agents. They might not like the IRS for various reasons, but in that day and time, a tax collector was not just somebody who collected taxes they were somebody who was getting rich off of the system and they were actually working for the enemy they were traitors and thieves not just somebody taking a civil servant position and so when they saw jesus hanging out with these traitors and thieves they said why is he hanging out with these sinners jesus said i've not come to call the righteous but sinners the thing is we're all sinners We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all done things that we know are wrong. We all continue to do things that we know are wrong if we're honest. And God is really able to reach those who are honest. In verse 18, it comes up that John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples are fasting, but Jesus' disciples are not. Jesus says, Can the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them? the time will come when the groom will be taken away and then the guests will fast and then he talks about wine skins of course we know the reference that when the grape juice was poured into a fresh skin as the alcohol would ferment and the juice would turn into wine there was a stretching that took place and the skins would stretch and harden over time and they were good for holding that wine but if you were to reuse them and try to use them a second time there was no stretch left in them they were no longer malleable and they would crack they would break they would be ruined and the wine would be lost and Jesus is using that analogy to refer to people who will steward the kingdom of God who will steward the treasures of the word of god let us be a people who are malleable who are always looking for the new thing god is doing the transforming thing that he is doing let us be a people who are always with him even when he wants to do something that's never been done before and something that doesn't make sense to us let us submit to his leadership and never become rigid never become hardened Never become the people who say it's always been this way, therefore we must leave it alone. Our unchanging God is a God of change who's always requiring us to change. He's perfect, so He doesn't need to change. We are not, and we do need to change. Jesus and His disciples are walking through a grain field and they're picking some heads of grain, eating them. It's the Sabbath. Not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Of course, the religious spirit is inflamed all around them in the people who are so offended that these guys are not following the rules that they have to call him out. Why aren't you following the rules? Don't you know you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath? There's a death penalty for breaking the fourth commandment. Jesus' response is to read scripture to them. Why wasn't David struck dead or stoned when he took the showbread out of the temple from the priest Abiathar, and he even ate it and gave some to the men who were with him. That was against the law. Why was that okay? Of course, they didn't have an answer for that. The end cap of Jesus' statement, his retort against the religious spirit, is in verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then even the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who has authority over the Sabbath. He's also saying prophetically he will be the one reigning from a very physical, literal throne during the Sabbath day rest, also called the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. He will have his day. It'll be a thousand years long. The Christian people today need to understand this god created the sabbath for us it's a gift he wants us to have rest he created us in such a way that we need rest he doesn't god created for six days and on the seventh day he rested god spoke and things were created the world the sun the moon people Everything was created by the breath of God, the word of God, the exhale of God. And on the seventh day, he, he took a breath. Many of us say, I just need to catch my breath. I will get back to you. I will respond to this message once I catch my breath. Without even understanding it, we are communicating to people that after the Sabbath, after we've had our rest, we will carry on the work that we've been given But we must carry on with the Sabbath because it is important. God gave it to us because he knows we need it. Why is it that Christians today say we're under grace and we keep nine out of the ten commandments? We do our best not to covet, not to commit adultery, not to bear false witness. We do our best not to worship other gods or make any form or image of God. We honor our father and mother. We keep every one of the commandments except the fourth one because we're under grace. Consider it, friends. Pray about it. Perhaps God is whispering to you, keep the Sabbath. I made it for you. I know you need it. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.